Welcome to another episode of the National Pulse podcast for Friday, March the 5th, the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Raheem Kassam here on Capitol Hill. It's sunny, but it's freezing cold. You know how I like my weather reports every day. And of course, the Capitol is still occupied it's the 56th day now of the National Guard being all across Capitol Hill, blocking down the roads. Of course, you know, you had that huge, huge mammoth, gargantuan protest yesterday. Oh, wait, nothing happened. After all, we were told about 50,000 QAnon shamen and treasoners marching towards the Capitol. And then Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, Oh, no, we were just kidding. It was really because the Republicans wanted to have their conference yesterday. Well, hold on a minute. That doesn't make any sense because you were all out on the televisions warning about this big thing that was going to happen. We had IC chatter, IC chatter, intelligence community chatter. The FBI was involved. The Capitol Police were involved. And what do we learn after all of it? Nothing, nothing. Now they're saying, oh, no, they've, they've changed the date, guys. We've got to keep the National Guard here longer. They've changed the date. Well, guess what? We're calling BS on that too. And so are a lot of the residents of Capitol Hill. You've heard me talk about this before. Capitol Hill is not exactly known as a conservative place. It's a very, very liberal, progressive place. But I've noticed a lot of boards, signposts going up in people's houses all across Capitol Hill now demanding for that fence to be taken down not only is it an eyesore it is a freedom sore it is a a thorn in the side of many people here not just because of how it looks and the interference in their in their day but what it represents it represents the fact that the last members of the public to be able to go up the stairs of that capitol building your capitol building ladies and gentlemen are people who intended to do harm those are the scenes that we saw on January the 6th. Whatever the groups were, whoever those people were that intended, remember, there was pre-planning, we now know. Those can't surely be the last people to walk up those steps. Now, I've got a very special show for you today. I'm going to bring our next guests in. You may have heard me talking about this earlier on, on Friday morning on the War Room show. But there is this incredibly just intriguing story even for a a, a non-british audience that's playing out in the uk at the moment and it really it's really important and interesting to me because it's not just about what this one person represents we're talking about carrie simmons the fiance to the prime minister of the united kingdom but actually you have something very similar going on here at the moment the lead story on the nationalpulse.com right now is about Joe and Hunter Biden throwing these parties for reporters at the old vice president's residence. It should be the, the current vice president's residence, but for some reason, Kamala Harris is living in Blair House. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. But he was when he was vice president, Joe Biden would throw these parties for reporters, very select group of reporters, and kind of wield influence that way. Nora O'Donnell, who interviewed him for the CBS Super Bowl interview, was one such of those reporters. And of course, it, last year, we were all really scratching our heads quite violently, wondering w- what we needed to do to get the mainstream media to cover the Hunter Biden laptop story. 
you know, you'll remember that I was sitting here with the hard drive going through it and publishing things from it myself. And and I had even uh, invited liberal reporters, progressive reporters, establishment journalists to come over and look at it. And, and that they did, by the way. A lot of them have seen the contents of this hard drive now, acknowledge that it's real. But for some reason, the, the, the actual stories didn't make it through into the uh, into the mainstream media and now we've got this piece up on the on the homepage by Mike McCormick the former White House stenographer has actually written an article for the National Pulse going through why this might be the case and these these Biden bash beach parties uh, which which Mike knows about and has written about for us, they might represent something that's that's obviously taking place in terms of nepotism and and access and power and influence here in the United States. And you have a similar tale, at least allegedly, playing out in the United Kingdom. Now, uh, this is, I mean, sort of a debate, really a discussion uh, about this. And and our guests are one of them, you know, he's been on the show multiple times before. It's Benjamin Harris Quinney. He's the chairman of the Bow Group Think Tank. Full full disclosure, given the fact that we're having this discussion with somebody who is perhaps on the opposing side. You know, Ben is one of my oldest friends. Uh, I work with the Bow Group very closely. And I'll try to remain uh, not just as neutral as I can, but, but as silent as I can. Uh, throughout this discussion. Our other guest is Dominic Dyer. Dominic is a, a campaigner in the United Kingdom and has worked alongside or with uh, Carrie Simmons uh, prior uh, uh, to her being in uh, in in uh, number 10 as, as Boris's fiance. I want to bring the two gentlemen into this conversation now. Gents, Dominic, thank you for joining us here. Not at all. It's a pleasure. Ben, thank you. Do we still have you? You do. Good. Always good to know that the line is stable and we have our great guests. So let me start, Dominic, by asking uh, you the question just about your background to introduce yourself to the audience uh, and how you know uh, uh, Carrie Simmons. Well, you know, I'm a wildlife campaigner and writer and broadcaster. So, you know, I was, I was very much involved in, in issues that Carrie Simmons has been interested in for many years. So issues like pr- protecting whales, issues like, you know, concerning the badger cull, which the bow group has also been on on the side i am in terms of that's sure. why i think that policy in britain is is not effective is cruel and, and very costly uh, and also issues like trophy hunting and, and the ivory trade so you know i'm involved in, in broad political debates about protecting wildlife at home and abroad and carrie simmons has been interested in those issues for many years so it, it's not a surprise that we got together and worked on issues and campaigned on issues prior to her time you know, connecting with Boris Johnson and entering Downing Street. Sure. Ben, Ben, how's going to just reintroduce yourself and, 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 and really explain to us why, because you've you've been leading the charge on this. Our audience has heard from you before on this issue. Um, you've been leading the charge that, that, that there is no accountability of Carrie Simmons now that she is, uh, you know, in very, very close proximity to the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, just recap that for us. And, and, and really, I want you guys to take the conversation away here. Yeah, so um, I chair the Britain and the world's oldest conservative think tank, and um, we consistently campaign on issues relating to conservatism and issues relating to maintaining um, the, the British constitution, which you know is obviously a, a very strong strain for American conservatives over there as well. And uh, w- observing um, the last year and a half of Carrie Simmons' role alongside Boris Johnson, in government, uh, very consistent reports were continuing to come out that Carrie Simmons was was taking a role in in government, uh, and that came to a head with the dismissal of Oliver Lewis, who was 
the individual who had done most of the work on the Brexit deal, um, and other figures like Dominic Cummings, who uh, was was uh, the government's chief strategist, uh, focused on implementing Brexit. And so when that happened, uh, a, a, a former colleague um, from Vote Leave, Nick Connor, who uh, is also in the Bow Group, approached me and said that we should make an intervention to call an in- for inquiry into this. He knows that I had been looking into Carrie Simmons uh, for five years due to her involvement in another scandal called the Tatlatory scandal. And we felt now that it was very important that a light be shone on this to ensure that someone with a very dubious track record is not unaccountably running the, the government. And it's an interesting issue here with Dominic because actually on, on, on one policy issue, we agree. Um, we just don't agree with how it has been handled. And you know it's very important that the people who govern the United Kingdom are accountable to the public. They're not. They're not back channeling. They're, they're not running a sort of private yeah, yeah, medieval court. Yeah, yeah. D- Dominic. The, to that point, um, I know I have known in a in a prior life. I lived in and worked in Westminster. I've known Carrie Simmons. Um, she's a she's a. I think we would all agree she's a very uh, savvy operator. Uh, very good when she puts her her mind to an issue at achieving what she wants and and you know now she finds herself in a very powerful position her friends have found themselves being appointed government advisors her enemies have found themselves being sacked as government advisors wouldn't wouldn't you say dominic that there's there's a problem with accountability there given she holds no formal government role well Yes, you could say that. But, you know, this goes back a long way, doesn't it? You know, I was speaking to Ben about this. It probably goes right to the heart of the Constitution or the lack of a a written Constitution in many areas in terms of British government. And also the power of the Prime Minister. You know, you could go all the way back to the 1960s, couldn't you? And Marcy Falconer and and Harold Wilson, you know, she was his political aide, but she had significant influence. And that debate was going on in those days. Dennis Thatcher's influence over Margaret Thatcher was significant, both in terms of supporting her career before she became an MP and a minister, and then onwards to, to, to leader of the Tory party, even you know establishing significant contacts in the conservative movement in the United States. Sherry Blair, we know, had significant influence over Tony Blair in many areas. Sarah Brown as well. So, And not necessarily thinking that Carrie Simmons is different in many ways. I think sometimes, that, I said to Ben, I think part of the problem here is that she was a political operator before she came in. To, to the situation she's in with Boris Johnson in Downing Street. Um, you know, from my experience of seeing her in that sort of crossover period, I think, to be fair, she was looking for a role. I think she cares passionately about animal welfare and wildlife protection, and I care about those issues as well. I think she's very talented in many areas. You know, I, I took her to Bird Fair, a big uh, wildlife uh, event in, in Rutland Nature Reserve that takes place in August every year, which thousands of people come together and help sort of, you know, write a speech with her. And she presented on the stage nearly a thousand people you know, on issues that she cared about on the environment. And, and that was in the early stages of Boris Johnson becoming prime minister. And I think it set the scene for her really getting an independent voice uh, about what she cared about. But the trouble is, in our, in, in our situation in Downing Street, there was no role for her to take on. There was no sort of advisor role she could have. Um, she had no staff, no support. Um, so she was sort of bouncing around. And that probably creates a bit of a vacuum and a, a slightly dangerous situation for her and others in government and outside of government. And you could say people like me could come in and, 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 and speak to her and she could then speak to the prime minister and that could lead to decisions being taken. But why wouldn't we talk to her if we had an opportunity to raise those concerns? So I take sure. the point. I understand where we are, but I don't think historically this is different to many other influential partners of prime ministers we've had in this country over many decades. 
It's very interesting because, uh, and, and Ben, uh, you know, obviously come back on that. But when you say, Dominic, the, you know, why wouldn't you? Well, I completely agree with you. Why wouldn't you? Uh, if you were a, if you were able to to find a a route in, uh, especially for a policy position that you're you know clearly so passionate about, you would take those opportunities. Um, we have a similar situation. You know, I, I reside here in the United States right now. Yeah. We have a similar situation that people are concerned about here because you know Hunter Biden obviously has incredible access to to, to the presidency now uh, through v- the office of the president rather via his father and. And he has a track record of selling that access, um, giving uh, favour and, and and access to people who have either greased his palms or done him political favours uh, in return. And, and there is no accountability for Hunter Biden. The, the, there is no office of the son uh, of the president of the United States like there is, for instance, for, for the first lady. So, that, that, so this is an issue, that actually, that, that I think I... The American audience of this show will actually understand because they're concerned about those things too. So, Ben, uh, what, let me ask you to come back on that. Is is it just not the case, as, as Dominic suggests, uh, that this has always been a, 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 a concern within the heart of British government or, or something that is left undefined un, um, at the heart of British government? And is it only different because Carrie, you know, used to work in politics before she became the uh, became the bow of the prime minister? Well, I think there are there are three points to look at there. Firstly, to the history. Um, nothing like this has ever occurred in, in British history. There is no president for this level of interference in government by a partner of the, the prime minister. No, no president at all. You can talk to any uh, historian about that. That you and, know of. Uh, indeed, coming forward to, to, to say that the only similar example to this are some of the mistresses of the French court. Um, but that is not something we want in Britain in 2021. Falconer was was the aide, was a political aide to Harold Wilson. And we're not just talking about being elected here. We're also talking about the fact that Simmons is not only not elected, but also unappointed and therefore unaccountable. There's no framework of laws around her in the way that there was against uh, with, with, with Faulkner and, and, and Harold Wilson. To the second you're point, saying, of, you're saying of that the because law. hold on, let me just clarify this because there are a lot of there are a lot of names being thrown about that a lot of the audience won't know. the The historical parallel that's being drawn is the uh, former prime minister, um, British Labour Party uh, politician Harold Wilson, had his um, private secretary uh, was was uh, the Baroness. Well, now the Baroness. Um, or rather, up until very recently passed away, the Baroness Falkender. And that you're saying, Ben, she held a position and was therefore accountable in some way. That's okay. and, and, and she was reported to also be having an affair with Harold Wilson. But I don't, I don't want to get too lost in the reeds for your audience of the, the, the intricacies of, of all of British history. But um, the point to make is this: nothing like this has ever happened before. There is no precedent for it. You, you would have to go back into medieval history uh, and, and medieval history of France uh, to really get to anything like this. And I think that is an extraordinary situation to be in in, in 2021. The, the second point is as to the law. Um, even if evidence comes forward, for example, that Dennis Thatcher uh, was was behaving in the same way, that doesn't make this okay. It's it's no good to say, oh, well, someone else broke the law in the past uh, and, and have that as an excuse as to why to continue to do it. And the third point is the political side. Whatever... Even if you were able to make legal arguments, even if you were able to, to draw historical examples, the public hate it. They hate to see cronyism. They hate to see this stuff going on. And, and the issue that's currently on the front pages at the moment is that Miss um, Simmons is, is reported to have 
attempted to, to pull £200,000 from the public purse uh, in order to redecorate her flat. Um, and then when, when that was challenged, reportedly, she attempted to get the head of the ethics committee fired. So it went through. And I think all of these things in the public, to the public, look absolutely horrific. It, it has the whiff of corruption all over it. And, and I continue to make the point that what Simmons and Boris don't seem to realise, Boris, the Prime Minister, don't seem to realise, is they are destroying themselves. Mm. Um, the, 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 the opinion yeah. that the public have of them is now toxic. I, I take your point. Dominic, well, you know, Dominic it, doesn't, it doesn't look well, good, I, does I, it? I would disagree on that. I, I, you know, let I me just... Tatler in, the, in, the, in, the, Dominic, in their Dominic, April edition with... with sorry. Dominic, sorry. No, let me just... Re, I, I, yeah. I just want to just reframe everything, just keep the audience up to date on, on, on what we're talking about here and, and reintroduce you as guests as well. So we have Dominic Dyer... He is a, uh, a wildlife campaigner in the United Kingdom. We have Benjamin Harris-Quinney, the chairman of the Bow Group, also in the United Kingdom, the oldest conservative think tank in the world. Um, and, and what we're talking about here is this story that's found itself on the front pages of uh, the biggest newspapers in the United Kingdom. It is the question over the influence and access and, and power, really, what we're talking about is power, uh, of the girlfriend, uh, fiancé of the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, uh, Carrie Simmons, is recently relatively recently, um, struck up a, a, a relationship with Boris Johnson. They uh, uh, seem to be very close. Uh, and this has caused a lot of consternation, especially from uh, sort of transparency campaigners on both sides, I think it's fair to say, of the political divide in the United Kingdom. So, Dominic, it does it does kind of, it does sound bad on the face of it. I'm not saying it necessarily is bad, but it does sound bad on the face of it. And it does have that kind of whiff of, well, if there were a formal complaint process, uh, how would that even take place? And how would you even get to the bottom of, you know, what political, and to your point, Dominic, she did come from politics. So surely you'd want more, not less accountability. Yes, you know, and part of the issue here for me, you know, and I think this doesn't just go for Carrie, actually. I think it goes for Stanley Johnson as well, because I think there's influence coming from both sides. And, you know, I'll hold up my hand. I'm the person that brought both of them together when we, we marched to the Japanese embassy in London in 2019 against uh, commercial whaling. Um, so, you know, both of them have had an influence over the prime minister on policy issues. Um, in relation to China, in relation to climate change, in relation to animal welfare and wildlife protection issues. Um, and I think, to be fair, um, you know, the question is, you know, can you define a role for such individuals, be they the father or partner? And, and maybe that's what we should have. You know, I could see a role for Carrie Simmons as a, an animal welfare wildlife protection advisor for the prime minister, but that would mean a code that she would be signed up to. And I can appreciate that's what Ben, to a degree, is talking about. Ben? Yeah, well, the, the the question I would ask uh, to you, Dominic, is you 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 had this case with the National Farmers Union where they challenged the the decision on the badger cull, and uh, what what it what it would appear is that some of these decisions would not have occurred were it not for Carrie Simmons. Um, is that is that how you see it? Uh, well, you know, to be fair, Carrie Simmons is still patron of the Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation, which is a, a conservative campaign group within the Parliamentary Party for animal welfare issues. Stanley Johnson is as well. Um, she works for Oceana, uh, a, a, a conservation group funded by Michael Bloomberg and others in the United States for ocean protection. She now works for the Aspinall Institute as well, um, you know, a foundation, the Aspinall Foundation for, for rewilding animals, um, uh, you know, in, from the UK and other parts of the world as well. Um, so, you know, she has a defined role as a campaigner 
as a quite a leading figure in the in the environment movement. Um, so you know, you unless you sort of shut off all of that and say that she shouldn't do anything and she should just look at the furniture Downing Street, I, I think that would be unfair. Well, the question well, I, is, can she influence policy? Um, if we come to the badger call policy that me and you are familiar with, because you produced a report in 2012, which I fully supported, um, to say that you felt this policy was, was going in the wrong direction for bovine TB control and was costly and cruel and largely ineffective. Well, you know, seven years on, we spent £70 million of taxpayers' money and killed 140,000 of these animals. And, and we're, we have reached that conclusion to a degree, and even the government have, that this policy is not working. Um, Carrie yeah. Simmons understood that. She'd spoken out about it you know, as part of the Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation before she met uh, Boris Johnson. That organization I've worked with and have meetings of ministers and officials with who oppose that policy. Um, so, you know, she came in to that relationship with a view. You know, I've taken her to events where she's listened to debates and discussions on that issue. So it should come as no surprise that she could reflect a view to the prime minister that, you know, he should consider something. But ultimately, and I'll make this point, the prime minister gets people persuading him of issues all the time, same as the American president. Some of them are elected officials, some are industry lobbyists, some are friends, some are partners, some are, could be mistresses in some cases. You, we could say all sorts of things are going on. The question is, ultimately, that individual, whoever they might be, has to make a decision. Um, and, and Boris Johnson's no different. If he made a decision about the badger call policy, and he did, and he intervened with ministers to say he felt that in Derbyshire, they shouldn't be killing badgers, they should vaccinate them, then I think that was a legitimate opportunity he had to make that decision. In the court case, that the judge said that was absolutely legitimate. It was a political decision, and the prime minister had the right to make it. So the NFU actually lost the case on, on that ground. So, you know, that that's the way I see it at the moment. Ben? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any question that people shouldn't have the right to campaign on issues they care about. The problem comes when you are using government resources because you happen to be in a in, 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 in a relationship with the Prime Minister in order to see those aims through. Um, and of course, whilst the, the, where you've come into this, Dominic, is, a, is, is the debate on badgers and, you know, to some extent, the, the debate on animal welfare more wi widely, um, the, 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 I would argue, and, uh, you know, shoot me down the animal uh, welfare lobby, I would argue there are more important things than badgers. Um, and the, the, what, what Ms. Simmons is being accorded is influence over every area of policy. Hiring and firing decisions are in, in, in number 10, decisions on um, national policy with regard to the overall green agenda, decisions on national policy with regard to Brexit. Um, and so I think this, the, the, the specific badger issue is a window into that, is a window into how things are operating, and I, and I think how things are operating completely wrongly. But this extends to the whole breadth of the, of the policy-making process and the decision as to who the government is going to be working with. And I think that is extremely dangerous, uh, not only from a national security point of view, but also from a political point of view, because the public have... Well, the, the big reason, I think, behind Brexit was the public had lost faith in the political class, in in this sort of closed shop cronyism that was was dictating to the people how they should be living, and I think this is almost an emblematic example of that. And I think that is absolutely not only uh, potentially illegal, uh, not only a major risk to Britain's national security, uh, but also actually um, a political disaster for all of those involved. And, and what I would say to you, Dominic. As a campaigner, a campaigner, I think with 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 
a, a greater experience than I. Um, but I would say that sometimes short-term wins can l- turn into long-term losses if you are doing it in an improper way. Uh, you know, if you take the point of where I sit at the moment, you know, I've had a meeting, for example, this week with the Secretary of State uh, alongside other uh, wildlife conservation organizations on the Hunting Act, which is, a, as we know, a very politically contentious issue, not least in the Conservative Party in Britain. That's the first meeting we've ever had with the Secretary of State and the Conservative Party on that issue you know, for over a decade since that piece of legislation was introduced. Mm. It's not easy getting access. It's not easy, you know, making the case at that level. It takes time and it oh, yeah. to, to do I so. See, I, the the, I the, the point that you would make is, it, it, you know, if you have an opportunity, we all do this in politics or, or any area of life where we're trying to influence. We will use the channels we can get to. Mm. The National Farmers Union is no different. It will channel its views one way or the other to get what it wants mm. as a lobby group. Um, if Carrie Simmons came from a farming agriculture background. If she had interest in, in their issues, they would have used that access in the same way to try and get access to the prime minister to win him over to a particular position. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, and just to come to your other points, to be fair, because I, I think we should, you know, Carrie Simmons, I think you might question some of the decisions she's taking. I would say that if she was in Downing Street, as she is seeing some of the malfunctioning of the machine within Downing Street in the Dominic Cummings period, and there were real problems there. Um, Friction, um, disputes, disorganization. I think she has a head for how things could be improved. You might not agree with what she suggests and some of the changes that have come about. I would say I think that Downing Street with Allegra Stratton and the people that are now playing a role in terms of chief of staff and communications and policy development, to me, seems an improved situation. People tell me that things seem to be operating better. Boris Johnson's well up in the polls. That might be a vaccination bounce that we're seeing. I have no question about that. But, you know, you could say, actually, she's got and helped him get control of the situation. I also know that Sherry Blair in her time, having contacts in the Labour Party, had quite a significant influence on who was in and out of Downing Street as well. Um, and I've no doubt that, you know, others, you know, as partners, uh, you know, I can't say about Dennis Thatcher to a degree, but I think he did far more than drink gin and tonics and play on the golf course. I'm sure he had influence how things were working in Downing Street. I'm sure Sarah Brown did. So I think it might be a bit unfair to say that she's crossing into territory. She's, you know, doing things that are completely out of of line with what others have done. And, and, you know, this is her home, but it's also his office and it's a working Mm. environment. She's got skills and knowledge, and I think she's brought some of that to bear. And, and actually, that might improve the way some things work. That's to be defending her on that point. Well, Dominic, I'll, I'll I'll let Ben answer to that, but more more specifically, I I want to point out to the audience as well that I think that we're actually finding some some common ground here. Although you know, sometimes it doesn't necessarily sound like it. It sounds like you're both sort of agreeing that there is a lack of uh, accountability here. You're both agreeing that it might be better if there were a more formal constitution institutional role that she filled and 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 in regards to i mean i, I wouldn't rest on uh, comparisons with uh, sheree blair and, and and especially not the wider blair administration uh, uh administrations uh to, to 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 back up a point like that dominic but let me just ask you this question because i think uh, ben makes an interesting point about the you know it can come back on you in different ways and certainly you know if you have a if you had somebody in there that that you'd 
you didn't like Dominic, you may feel differently. And Ben, you may feel differently if there was somebody that you did like, mm. um, and, no, and, yes. and that would and that would you know improve people's access. And you're right, Dominic, to say that. Look, in politics, access is per- perhaps the the primary uh, currency, right? That is that is how people how people make their bread and butter in politics. How people go rise up the chain in politics. And and I think a lot of people, to back to Ben's point, they they look at that. You know, uh, with a, with a seriously increasing dose of skepticism now, the 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 num the sheer number of scandals on 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 your side of the pond, on this side of the pond, uh, that have taken place over the last couple of decades because of proximity that shouldn't necessarily have existed, or the uh, accountability uh, where there wasn't accountability where there should have been. Um, it, it brings me onto this point, which is. That if you had, if you had a, a a a sort of carved out role, which I think could only really come from a a, a really a constitutional convention on this type of uh, on this sort of thing, a, a a broader discussion, which would I think also merit an investigation, not just into Carrie Simmons, but actually into the role of the partner of the prime minister uh, for, for as you bring up for the last several decades, or and and perhaps even before that. I think we're in agreement on that. That there is this, there is this vacuum of, of of information here let me ask you this though um dominic to your knowledge or, or your experience even um ha- have have you benefited has anybody you known benefited from access of carrie simmons to number 10 while she's been there well you know you could claim that you know some of the issues i've campaigned with have, 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 have gone up the political agenda because you can get access and you can put a point to her and she might put a point to the prime minister on the issue which, you know, is, is a far more direct route to power. You know, you come back to the fact... Is that it a the legitimate Prime route? Is, has, it, is that a moral route to power? Well, you know, you come back to the Prime Minister in Britain has significant power. Mm. In many ways, probably more power than the United States oh, President sure. has or the French President does. Oh, yeah. um, it's not defined in many ways. You know, you could say that the Cabinet, you know, if I look at the present Cabinet, if decisions are taken, as we've seen over the last 12 months on, on the COVID issue, life and death decisions, mm. that's largely being taken by the prime minister and some advisors around him. The cabinet are not necessarily that involved in much of that decision-making process to a degree, mm. uh, but they are fundamentally important decisions for our civil rights, for our freedoms, for our safety, and all the things that we've had to go through over the last 12 months. Um, the prime minister in Britain is a very powerful figure, whoever they might be. Whoever's in access to that prime minister can have significant influence. And I'll make the case of Dominic Cummings, because Dominic Cummings had significant influence and power. Um, there was a code, but to be quite frank, he abused it. He abused it terribly when he went to the northeast of England during lockdown. And he lost and his job. Broke the very rules, the very rules, to be fair, that he no. had played a role in setting up and making sure that sure. the rest of the country had to meet. The sure. prime minister gave him a press conference in the Rose Garden of mm-hmm. Downing Street as if he was a cabinet minister to defend himself, prime time, television to do so. I'm afraid that makes a mockery of accountability. People well, lost uh, a lot of respect <laughs> for the lockdown rules at the time because I of Dominic Cummings' actions. I, I, I and don't I disagree. Think it, it's unfair to put all the blame at, you know, at, at Carrie Stone. No, 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 look, this is not about for, blame. For having influence. We're, 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 not, we're, not, I think we're not trying to blame you him. You understand what I'm saying, yes. though, because we yes. have over 100 special advisors in Whitehall 
Over £15 million pounds sure. is spent on them. Most of us don't know any of the people concerned. What you they don't do, have to convince this audience that the bureaucracy is a bad thing, that Absolutely. the unaccountable bureaucracy... So, Carrie seems are... to be a target at the moment for a great deal, but I think there's a lot wrong well, with the system. Well, I think well, a lot of people have access to the Prime Minister. I agree. And you could question the influence they bring and how they're... We're, in, we're in total agreement, Dominic. We're in total agreement <laughs> on, on that point, and the, the sprawling, unaccountable bureaucracy is something that everybody here has the same level of frustration that I can clearly hear you have as well about it. So, believe me you'll hear no arguments from me on that i, I don't know about I, I, if i if i would agree with the words picked on is it not just because perhaps you know she is a public figure and she perhaps best exemplifies this 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 problem that that you're identifying you know you're identifying the the unaccountability aspect of this uh, you, you have said that people have gained access in this in this regard and and i think that's what it comes down to so yes let's park her as a human being let's forget mm. about Carrie the person but let's think about carry the role that is being currently played out that it seems to me we're all kind of in agreement on well you know she has a role to play i would say and i said that earlier on yeah. because i think she understands certain issues on animal welfare wildlife protection and the environment that are important to the future of the conservative party as the broader electorate um they're important you know to many people's opinions she connects with a younger audience uh, probably the next generation to a degree of conservative supporters and voters. So I think she's quite a political asset to the prime minister. It would be easy to say, oh, well, she's a crackpot, you know, green agenda, and it's not in line with, with most people's thinking in the conservative party. I I'm would disagree with you on I'm that. I'm not saying that. No, no, no. no, no, no I know you're not saying that, but somewhat. I think the Tatler poll that you will see published in April will show that actually Carrie Simmons has significant popularity amongst younger voters, higher than the prime minister himself. And I think he understands that, Boris Johnson. So I do think she is an asset. But the question is, how do you use it without causing political controversy? Mm. My view would be that she should have a role to play in some advisory capacity on the issues that she cares about and she's knowledgeable about on the environment and welfare and wildlife protection. But it maybe needs to be better defined. And knowing her from the beginning, I think that's what she was looking for. But I think there was a lot of pushback from Dominic Cummings and a few other people that she's probably fallen foul of. Mm. And there was friction in Downing Street. And some of that has played out. And to be quite frank, some of the involvement I've had with her might have made that situation more difficult, particularly in relation to the NFU and the judicial review and the Badger Cull issue, which hit the headlines. But I do think it was it was always going to happen because she would get involved or say something that other people would suddenly question her role in. Just just to clarify, because I don't actually know what you mean by that. What what is what does that involvement mean? Well, you know, if she says something to the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister then acts on it and then that can be traced back to discussions I had with her, and that's the situation right. with the Badger Cull. And the National Farmers Union then decided to take legal action against the government on the basis of the influence I brought to bear, and they brought it to court. And the government... Yep. Are you still there? Yep, yeah, the government's position on that was, well, the Prime Minister made a decision. He's quite rightly able to do that and inform ministers he wanted to change the policy, mm. and we're not going to go into why he made that decision and who influenced him to do that. So, you know, that, that, that's where it is. Mm. Um, did Carrie Simmons speak to him? She must speak to him about lots of things. So, you know, does that influence his thinking at the end of the day or in the morning or any other time of the day? Yes, it possibly could. Can you stop her speaking to him? about issues she cares about or remarking on things. No, you cannot. I don't think anybody's trying to Then you take an intelligent person and, and gag them mm. and say they should never have an opinion again. Yeah, they try what you're and do saying it to is me. you take a young, talented individual, you bring them into Downing Street in a situation like that's not very pleasant, it's a bit of a fishbowl, and then you say they should never have an opinion on anything again or if it is, you know, it should never sort of get into the public domain. I think that would be unfair, but I do understand the difficulties it poses. Ben? 
Yeah, well, I mean, just to just to very briefly make the point that uh, the what the, I, I think the reason why there were scenes missing in that court case is because there's no black box of government when it comes mm. to the prime minister's girlfriend, fiance, wife, w- whatever. Um, and so with Dominic Cummings, yes, he may have done things wrong, but there was records of it, and he was held to account for it. And I'm reminded of, of Tony Benn, who was a, a Labour minister when Labour actually was a, was a patriotic party. Um, and he proposed five tests for, for, for holding power to account and, and, and five questions. And those questions were, what power have you got? Where did you get it from? In whose interest do you use it? To whom are you accountable? And how do we get rid of you? And that's a, that, those are questions asked on behalf of the people. And I think on all of those five questions, this situation falls down very severely. And that is why I think it will end in disaster. And that is why I think there needs to be an inquiry before it's too late and something really dangerous happens uh, that the country can't recover from. Well, I think that probably naturally, unless either of you have anything more to add um, on that, naturally brings us to, to a close of our conversation. Gentlemen, anything, anything, any, Dominic, any final thoughts on this? No, I, you know, I, I sympathise with where Ben is, but I do think some of this, as I said at the beginning, comes down to, to some of the issues that Carrie Simmons raises, some of the interest groups that she will be opposed by getting involved with. Um, you know, it, she was just interested in, you know, the arts or, or, or literature or something. It might be less contentious. Mm. But, you know, I deal with animal welfare issues and wildlife protection issues every day. You end up taking on governments the farming industry, shooting interests, the Japanese government, South African, lion breeders, I could go on and on. Sure. There are lots of big vested interests in some of the areas that she wants to talk about, but I would prefer her to talk about it because I think we need to address these issues in government. And I think she's a strong voice for animal welfare and wildlife protection, an asset to the prime minister with a finger on the pulse of what young people increasingly care about in political and public life. Uh, but I do think there might need to be a clearer definition of a role for her going forward. But I think she should remain that figure. It would be a loss to, to lose it, in my view. You know, she's only two years younger than I am. <laughs> you keep saying <laughs> young people, making me feel old. Uh, Dominic. Well, I was, I was, I, yeah, you know, well, I'm 50, I so I feel a bit old. old so forgive me for that. <laughs> I was called a sexist old dinosaur for criticising her, and I'm only, I think I'm only three or four years older than her. There you go. <laughs> I'm not getting into that debate, gentlemen. I'm older than both of you, so I can say something. Ben, any final thoughts? <laughs> no, I just think that, uh, that th- this, is, this is a situation that now needs to be looked into. It's on the front page of the Daily Mail today about a different issue of you know, potential embezzlement of, of funds, and there's all sorts of areas here that that I think need to be looked at and come from a lack of accountability. Mm. And uh, I, I think I can, I completely understand why people want access to power any way they can get it. But I think in the long term, this is going to be a political disaster. And it's just a question of how quickly we can bring it to a conclusion because the public will, will not tolerate it. And I think, you know, those polls about Carrie Simmons, I think you'll find that the polls will be coming out soon will show a very different story. Never ends well. Sex and politics. That's why I gave one go. of them up. <laughs> it's been wonderful talking to you both. Have a have a wonderful time. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank been you. an interesting discussion. Take Cheers. care. Bye bye. Well, I know it's uh, slightly unorthodox a topic for a podcast that mainly has an American audience, but um, the reason I wanted to have those chaps both on isn't obviously because it's interesting what's going on over there, and it's 
a major national issue and on the front pages of the big news, national newspapers and obviously has major ramifications because policy is not just domestic it is of course foreign also so there's all those issues as well but when i was first told about this story about this access that carrie simmons has to the prime minister and all of this stuff very very close to journalists as well i was reminded of hunter biden and today up on the nationalpulse.com we have this story exclusive reporting from someone who was there mike mccormick is the former white house stenographer and he's written this story biden's boardwalk bash about how Joe and Hunter Biden used public funds and used the office and residence of the f- vice president up at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C. to schmooze a very short and elite exclusive list of reporters. And remember, five, six, seven years later, guess who they're giving those big set piece interviews to and who are chopping and editing and selectively publishing those interviews oh yes it's those same reporters who are at the biden boardwalk bash please go ahead and read that story over at the nationalpulse.com please go ahead and share it i'll probably not have much to say this weekend but i will be posting tomorrow a special podcast so check out that And I'll see you Monday.